morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to Always Get Lost, a podcast dedicated to travel and life abroad. My name is Angela Carson. I am the host, and today I am going to be joined by a dear friend of mine, Valentine Aseo. I met him about a decade ago. We'll tell you about that later. Valentine is a digital marketing and branding expert. He worked for Facebook for over seven years, has been a VP of tech startups. At one point, he was trying to be a yoga instructor, and that fueled him to become an entrepreneur. Valentine is the founder of Matador Meggings, which is an athleisure brand for men. It's basically what they say is for fitness freaks and festival junkies. These are leggings for men, and they look fantastic. Valentine has lived in more places than I have. He is addicted to life abroad, just like I am. Even, no, 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 I'd say we're pretty equal. But today we're going to talk all about mistakes we've made moving abroad, about what fuels us to continue living outside of our home nation, tips on how to think about positioning yourself, your career, or if you're looking at the digital nomad thing, like how to get started living abroad. If that is something you are interested in and you want to hear stories about stupid, fun, and fabulous moments that Valentine and I have had over the years in different countries we've lived in, well, this podcast is just for you. So come on, let's get started with Valentine Aseo. All right. Hello, Valentine. Darling, it is fabulous to see you. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm doing really good. How are you? What time is it there in Turkey? I'm, I'm wonderful. I am in a little beach town in Turkey, and it's 2 p.m. here. And um, the weather is gorgeous. The sea is beautiful. Turquoise, blue, all the shades of blue. And um, I feel blessed. I am very jealous. I will tell you that. It, it looks beautiful. Thank you. You are very welcome. All right. So we are going to talk all about how fun it is to live abroad, about what it's like kind of being an addict of living abroad, because neither of us, this is the first time you've gone home for any great length of time. And it probably wouldn't have happened if it weren't for COVID-19. That's, that's true. Um, I've been living abroad for almost 15 years um, sometimes on and off, and um, I could never imagine going back to my hometown or like home country, better said, and live there for like seven months. Because last time I lived in this country for seven months, it was 15 years ago. Um, but I owe this to COVID, and it was really good to reconnect with my um, stomping grounds and my country, and um, I feel really good. Nice. Your Instagram has been so fabulous. Thank you. Yeah, so it's been about 15 years for me as well. I left the U.S. the last time when I was 33, and I'm 49 now. And I had moved to Spain that time. But yeah, everything would kind of have to go tits up for me to even think about moving back and planting roots in the U.S. again. It's, I don't know, life just, it seems like there's so much out there to see. And I've it's, already been there and done that in America. I, I totally hear you. Um, to me, it almost feels like, you know, getting back together with your ex <laughs> that you broke up <laughs> years ago. Um, it's really good in the beginning. It's familiar and you're like, damn, I missed 
um, that person, you know, like, but then after a while you realize why you guys broke up in the first place <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay, exactly. maybe this is not going to work. So I, I'm kind of feeling the same way. Um, I left um, Turkey over a decade ago and traveled all around the world, lived in many cities in many countries. And um, now, um, thanks to COVID-19, um, <laughs> I'm back in my country. And it's again, it's like getting back together with my old lover. And we had a really romantic time. It was very nostalgic and I had a blast. But now I know now? why I left. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. But um, I have one month left in Turkey and then going to continue my um, roadshow. Nice. Where, where are you going next? Um, next up is Miami, um, just so that we can hang out with my husband's family a little bit. Well, originally the plan was to move to Barcelona, but we said let's postpone it because um, probably it wouldn't be as much fun to be, you know, stuck home in Barcelona because we're, we're very cautious um, not to get in crowds. But instead, we decided to move to a beach town in Colombia. And only yesterday we found out that Americans are not allowed in the country. So we yeah, that's really it. putting a hiccup in a lot of people's plans right now. Exactly. So we have to pivot our plans, and then um, we decided to move to Mexico in two months. The good thing about being a digital nomad is we just have one suitcase and a puppy definitely let go of the attachment to certainty and our plans. If COVID showed us one thing is not to make plans, like be more spontaneous. So we sold our place. We sold all our furniture. We're going to be switching cities and play by ear. Well, as a, okay, this is a crazy side note, but I remember the story you told me about all of your things that were moving over from Europe to India, or it was between two relocations yeah. of yours and the ship went down? That actually happened just a couple of weeks before I met you in India. So the story was, um, I used to be a very materialistic person and had this attachment to the things I owned. So um, when I moved to India for work for um, close to a year, I had this crazy idea of packing every single thing I owned and moved to India, like including, you know, my, my, all my shoes, my DVD collection. Again, this is a decade ago. So we, we used to have DVDs back then. <laughs> um, <laughs> like my, my DVD collections, my, you know, I even brought my, like I, I used to wear a lot of ties. Like I even brought my like ties and suits and tuxes and things like that. I'm like things that I would never ever need in India, but because I had so much stuff, I shipped them with a ship and it sank. So by the time I, yeah, by the time I arrived to India, I got the news that um, all my stuff went deep in the ocean. So I ended up in India literally with a backpack and a little carry-on with maybe like two t-shirts, short and a couple of underwear. That's, that's it. This is probably the best thing or one of the best things that has that have ever happened to me because I totally lost any attachment to things to, to that, that I owned like um, since, because it, and it was such a liberating, freeing experience. Like imagine that you don't own anything in life. There's nothing to worry about and it's just you and yeah. It is very liberating. I, I remember that story and just 
the the blessing and the curse of it because the personal things you know photo albums and fun things like that that you had were sad to lose but the others yeah maybe it was a nice life life lesson to er to learn early on the um the good thing is um i actually um had left all my photo albums and anything sentimental at my parents place oh that's um, good yeah, yeah, so I didn't lose anything. Um, and all my hard drives and ex like external hard drives and things like that, I had them with me. Um, I didn't want to ship them. So I didn't lose anything that had sentimental value or memories attached to it, like photos and things like that. But other than that, it just made me realize all these things that we own, like our apartments, cars, furniture, each object attaches an invisible chain to your soul. And yeah, you can move around, but there's only so far you can go because of these invisible chains. And like when you don't have anything that you own, you're just free to fly wherever you Such you a go. liberating. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. That's true. So how old were you when you first uh, relocated? Were you, was it for uni or was it for your first job? I started living abroad in, you know, limited periods of time for my education. Like I would do, you know, student exchange programs, courses to learn a language. So that's how I started. I spent some time in France, some time in Spain, and then did my um, internship in Barcelona. So it all started with education and internship. Um, purposes and then it moved on to professional and right now it's just for fun i move around not because my work requires me to do so but because i want to now that i own my own business i'm my own boss so i have this flexibility in terms of location and time yeah that's amazing i and you and your husband move around together it's it's been like that for about the past year right yeah 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 the um we make this decision together and we lived in New York for four years. And you know New York, it's great in the beginning, but after a while, it's a little bit taxing. And the crowds, the pollution, the hectic lifestyle, it really wears you out. So I got to a point that I was like, I couldn't do it in New York anymore. I really needed to be in nature, you know, surrounded by trees, close to the ocean. So we said, okay, where should we move? And we said, let's go down to Miami. And it was in the beginning of the winter in New York. It was in November. And, you know, New York gets pretty gross in it terms gets of weather. really cold, too. Damn. Yeah, so it was, it was such a great idea to move down to Miami. Um, it was 80, 85 degrees every single day, flip-flops. So great decision. Nice. So it's definitely easier, I think, to move abroad when you have stuff, when you're with a company, because they move you. And it makes mm -hmm. life so much easier it, when you're when you're on your own. You, you couldn't really do the digital nomad thing with stuff like you were saying. You really have to be liberated or park it somewhere thinking you'll come back for it. Yeah, that, that could work. I also um, came to the realization that I had so much stuff, so much clothing, you know, as a gay guy. Like <laughs> I had so many shoes and I realized 90% of the time, I wore the same clothing and same shoes. I do that too. I, when I, yeah, I, I do that too. When I was on a three month trip, I packed all these cute shoes. I wore the same damn pair of sandals and the same three cotton sundresses the entire trip. It was such a yeah. stupid packing choice that, you know, the extra shoes and 
it's it's great that you came to that realization. And if you look carefully, you'll see that um, that's a reflection of your life in general. You open your closet every day, and then you probably pick up the t-shirt or dress at the top, but then you have you know maybe a hundred different options. Um, so coming to this realization, I'm like, oh, okay, I have hundreds of items in this closet, but I wear the same twenty again and again and again, at least like 80% of the time. So I said, okay, I can't really let go all these things that I wear once a month, so I probably don't need it. So definitely streamlining your life, reconsidering what you really need and what brings joy to your life and what you need to hold on to is really important if you're planning on um, having this nomadic lifestyle. Yeah, collect, collect moments, not things, is one of my favorite little phrases. Amen. That I've lived by for quite a while now. So, all right, you and I have lived in a couple of different countries. You know, I don't actually know how many countries you've lived in. That's a great question. I was actually just thinking about this in the shower this morning. Um, (laughs) Do you keep a list? You don't have a list somewhere? No, I don't. But um, I made the list, mental list, um, to prep myself for this podcast. And I said, okay, what does it really mean to live somewhere? Because I I worked at Facebook for eight years and throughout my career, they sent me to places to, you know, either open new offices, launch new teams. Like, for example, they sent me to Poland for three months, to Philippines, to this and that. And I'm not sure if all of those are considered living. So, and then this is what I came up with. In order for me to count a country or a city as, okay, I lived here. I think it needs to be more than three months and I need to have a local phone number. (laughs) It's silly, but I think it's those, it's one of those little things that it makes you local. Like when I lived in Poland or Philippines, I never bothered to, um, you know, get a um, national line because I was there on a project work. But the moment you open a bank account and you get a cell phone, number then you're like oh okay you're living here based on this i would count of course turkey my um it's where i was born um i lived in um, france and spain i worked at facebook in um dublin ireland india and the us so um, these are the countries and in these countries i often lived in multiple cities so probably like more than a dozen cities in these six countries that's amazing yeah, okay. Yeah. So yours, yours, because you've lived in the different cities, it's only, what, six countries, but it's really 12 homes cities. that you occupy, uh, occupied? Yeah, definitely. It's like definitely more than that because um, I moved around in the U.S. a lot. And then, again, in France, um, Spain, I lived in a couple of different cities, yeah. Okay, so I was going to ask you which is the most culturally diverse country that you lived in, but given that list... I'm pretty sure yours is the same as mine. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say that. Um, it, t- Turkey is a close second, but definitely India is one of the most culturally um, diverse um, places I lived. And uh, it, it, Turkey can very well compete with it in terms of culture, architecture, music, cuisine, and all that. But India is definitely more diverse because they have dozens of different um, religions and dozens of languages. And um, it almost feels like each city or state is a completely different country 
And if I'm sure you've been to different Indian weddings in different parts of the country and that they don't look similar at all. Um, language is not similar. The food is very different. The religion, the language, everything is so different from state to state. So that's why I would say India is probably... Um, and you lived in Bangalore, right? How was it? I lived it in Bangalore and there? you lived in Hyderabad, right? Where the Facebook headquarters was? Yeah, yeah. I can't unfortunately say Hyderabad was very culturally diverse because I, I, it's like the Silicon Valley of India and it was very business and tech based. Um, I When I came to visit you in Bangalore, um, I thought Bangalore had a super cute charm to it and more culture. Um, how was it living in Bangalore? Yeah, okay, well, for everyone listening, Valentine and I actually know each other because we both, and Valentine came to a holiday in the city in, well, the village in Spain where I lived for 12 years. And we have friends in common. And when I moved to India and then Valentine moved to India, our friends got in touch and said, oh, they connected us, I think, on Facebook Messenger. You two need mm -hmm. to get together. And you had just recently moved to India and you didn't really have a lot of friends and there wasn't a really active social scene in Hyderabad. And so I was like, oh, come down, come down. Because where I was um, in Bangalore, I, I happened to start a blog the first day I moved to India and the blog became really popular. And so I got invited to all these parties every week and it was cocktail parties and events and this and that. And so for me, my life was just crazy hell of fun. And Valentine's like, do, 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 do. <laughs> not, as, not as much to do up in Hyderabad. So I invited him down. I was like, you have to fly down, come down, come down. And Valentine came down and we ended up having a wild weekend, like dancing every night, like hungover brunches the next day and just a really fun time. But yeah, my experience in Bangalore, because I moved from Barcelona and Barcelona is just, it's, it's not that culturally, I mean, it is culturally diverse to Southern California, but it's not an extreme like the lifestyle is different and everything's a little bit different, but it's not so like a, an assault of the senses like India is. And I just, I just remember, I, the one thing I remember that I always really cherish is the first drive I was doing from the airport to the hotel where I was being put up for this new job. I remember it was, like flight, flights land in the middle of the night in India. They all land between two and five. And it was just, the sun was just coming up. And I saw this group of six or eight women in saris walking. And I just thought they, I thought that they were actors from a Bollywood movie or that they were, you know, some fancy, fancy ladies group. And I remember telling the driver, I said, oh, look at how pretty they are. You know, they must be actresses. And he's like, no, madam, they're housekeepers going to work. <laughs> what? Uh. <laughs> they're the most beautiful women I've ever seen. And yeah, it was, it was definitely an attack of the senses in India. G good and bad. Like, I was groped, attacked, like mistreated. People think that because all porn that they see is Western women, that 
they can say really dirty things to us and that we're going to react in a positive way. So where there was a lot of good, there was also just, just a ton of bad. I think maybe more so for women than men visiting, but I, did you have any kind of, is there anything like that for you? It wasn't, you didn't get any of that stuff. I did not. Um, mine was different. I, I do understand what you mean and where even though that's not my experience because i'm not a woman i can totally um, understand um what she went through and i did witness some of it i think being a man obviously saved some of that for me i have a very fair light skin so when i moved to india i definitely would attract a lot of attention people would stop me in a shopping mall and then hand me their three-month-old baby <laughs> to hold and to take photos. Like, it's, it's so funny. Like, I would probably, every 20 minutes on the street or in a shopping mall, people would want to take photos with me. People Like, you're to famous and a celebrity. It's crazy. Yeah, it's, I, I think it's because they didn't have that exposure. A lot of people would want to touch my skin and my face. And they'd like, they're like, oh, wow, this is your like really fair <laughs> so that was that was very interesting but um they they definitely don't mean um bad it was it was interesting i would never live in india again just because i i lost my personal freedom so almost entirely where it's not really safe for women to walk around on the streets you're you're not allowed to do certain things like i would want to drink some nights but I wouldn't want to go into the center of town and where I lived with the traffic, it would take about 40 minutes to get there. But there was this little kiosk with the shittiest alcohol that you've ever had. Like they give you a hangover stuff for sure the next day kind of alcohol. But I would go down there just to have a drink like and be out. I was the only woman that was ever there and it would cause such a big stir. Like it was such... There's even photos of me out there at this bar and just the the outrage that it caused. Yeah, no, I I, I totally hear you. As a a gay guy, it definitely had an impact on me as well. Like I had to limit certain behaviors, um, certain liberties that I had all my life in Europe or States or anywhere I lived. All those liberties were gone. At times, um, I felt like, well, I need to go back to closet. Um, but you aren't, you know, if, if, if you don't know that you're gay, you wouldn't know that you're gay. I guess so. I, I don't know. But For the it's, most and part. also, yeah, um, I wouldn't go out, go out of my way to, you know, explain that. And, um, and of course, some people knew, some people didn't. But I had to think twice about some of my actions or some of the things I wore or <laughs> your um, floral rompers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I probably would not wear floral no, rompers. No, I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's hilarious. <laughs> so what, what has been your favorite home base then of all of the cities that you've lived in, either in the U S or around, around Europe? And I think, I think I know your answer, and mine is very close to it. Oh, okay. I would yeah. have assumed yours was Miami or... Okay, mm-hmm. tell me yours. Uh, mine is Barcelona, actually. Oh, I, did not, I would not have guessed that. 
But it's yeah. that, I mean, yeah. I, I absolutely 100% get it. So there are several things that I pay attention to and like um, I consider when I choose a city to live or um, there are different factors that affect my satisfaction. And Barcelona checks all the boxes in terms of the lifestyle, the city planning. You know, it's 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 like this, it's a, it's a very old city, but it's so well planned, and everything is so beautiful. Every single um, building is an architectural masterpiece, even like simple apartment buildings. And um, it's I'm all, always um, delighted with the architecture and. Um, so that really um, made my experience. Um, the food is definitely important. Oh my God, the food. Um, pro- proximity to the beach is, it's a must have for me. The greenery. The nightlife. Um, my God, the nightlife in Barcelona. Well, I'm too old for that. What are you talking <laughs> about? Uh, yeah. I, I, was, to- I was in my 30s when I had the best, like the 30s to 40 to 40, 33 to 40 were my best party years. Yeah. Maybe you were having a second wave of youth, which no. is what that means for me. It it's about the same to wave. What are you talking about? <laughs> okay, we're going to have a side conversation later when this is done. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I was actually really excited to um, move to Barcelona. And I can definitely see myself more stationary um, if I lived in Barcelona. But um, oh, yeah, overall, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Like Spain, um, I'm part Spanish. And so I can um, relate to that culture, the lifestyle, even though um, they eat at 10 p.m. And I typically have dinner at 6, 6.30 p.m. Oh, Grandpa. So that, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so um, that part is not very suitable for me. Wait, what um, part of you is Spanish? On your father's side? Yeah, yeah. My my dad's side is Spanish. Yeah. My last name Aseo um, means hygienic in Spanish, actually. Fun fact. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm um, I'm Sephardic Jew. So basically um, those are the Jews that were expelled from Spain. Um, and this is hundreds of years ago. Like I have Spanish passport. How many passports do you have? Three. Two? Three. American? Uh, yeah, no, I don't have American passport. I, okay. I have Turkish passport, Spanish, and Portuguese. Okay. I have the one, <laughs> which right now <laughs> is not getting me in anywhere. I was supposed to be moving exactly. to Asia next month. No, a Turkish passport didn't get me to too many places. And thank God I have the Spanish passport um, that opens way more doors for me. Um, but I did consider getting a American passport for its benefits. But now these days, looks like we'll be moving to Mexico. That was great. I lived there. That was the first place I lived, was Mexico. Uh, where did you live in Mexico? In, Port of, in Port of Vallarta. Yeah, it was uh, 1991. And I was 20 years old. And I had gone on holiday for a week to Port of Vallarta. And I ended up meeting this boy, because, you know, there's always a boy. And his name was Danielle. And I ended up spending the week with him. But oddly, we never slept together, which wasn't normal for me back then. I was quite, anyway. (laughs) But we didn't sleep together, but we had this romantic week together. I had gone on my first solo trip. And we would go out to like restaurants at night where there would be 
a dancer and one, you know, one guitarist singing and he wrote a song for me and we just had such fun time. And then I went back to LA and on the drive back to my apartment at uni, just like, what the hell am I doing? I don't want this life. I want that life. And so I ended up driving down in my Jeep Wrangler when I was 20 years old to Mexico. And I ended up working the summer and it was just, it was paradise. It was paradise. It was before there were big hotels down there. Now there's like one of the beaches where I used to go, it used to be a a deserted beach. And now there's a St. Regis and a Sheraton. But I had so much fun and the food and dancing till, you know, 6am and I don't know, tacos at midnight was It was really fun. I learned how to drink tequila too, which in America, we just shoot it back. We do shots of tequila. And mm-hmm. I thought that that's how you drink tequila, but it's you actually, you, you sip tequila. So it's kind of like a, a whiskey or a brandy or a cognac, or it's when the, the tequila is a nice tequila in Mexico, they sip it. And I remember he just, it was just so sexy how he was teaching me all of these amazing things. <laughs> but yeah, it didn't work out, which is wow. fine. It was a fun summer. That's what I like about living abroad or um, being a digital nomad because every place you go, you keep collecting more and more memories and you meet new and interesting people and you live life through them. You live almost like their version of life. Like when I lived in the US for seven years, I lived an American life. What is an um, American life? Tell me what an American life is. <laughs> yeah, so when I lived in the, the States for seven years, um, I lived an American life. And that's in every aspect of life, right? The places that you go, what you do after work, um, the things you talk to, talk about with your friends or the what you do for fun, what you do on weekends. It's its the American way of living. And then when you go to elsewhere, for example, let's say I um, moved to Barcelona, I, my life was completely different. The, the way I acted was different. The way I went to work, the, the way I dressed, the way I thought, the, the topics that I talked um, with my friends, the, the way I had fun, it's, it's, it's completely different because... Every country offers, or even every city offers, different things. When you die in the city you were born, you rob yourself from the experience that you could have had elsewhere. And it's sometimes it may be difficult if you're married with kids or if you have an attachment to a certain city. But even if it's for you know three months, especially with COVID, I think the best thing. I mean, there's no best thing about COVID, but if I were to think about one positive thing about this pandemic, it's pushing us to rethink how we live and pushing us to reconsider if we really need these office spaces. Can we work from home? Can we work wherever we want? Do we need to be physically in one place to um, to perform? And I feel like more and more people are coming to understand that the answer is no. Like you could have the same exact job in the same company, but be wherever you want. Um, Time difference sometimes makes it more challenging, but if 
you have like, I know, two, three or four hours of time difference and you're willing to adjust your life, that will definitely work out. Yeah, the time difference thing does does make a difference. When, when, when I was deported from India the second time, um, <laughs> I always love saying that, <laughs> I, I was fully expecting to move back to India when I had these problems with uh, my company hadn't paid my taxes properly and I ended up being penalized and deported from the country over this administrative wow. paperwork issue. And I fully thought I would be going back. So I maintained the same client. I had just started up a brand new startup company. And so I was keeping on. And I would start work around 8 p.m. in California. I'd work all morning, you know, all, all through the middle of the night. And as my parents were getting up at 6, 6.30, I would go grab a glass of wine. They'd be having coffee and breakfast. And that was... That was that. It was to stay working on on the business side. Yeah, when your your market is on the other side of the world, does pose challenges at times. Or if you have clients and you have to do you know important clients and you have a four a.m. conference call, that can suck. But the benefits still outweigh the tethered life someplace that isn't fulfilling your dreams. It really does. Um, you're so right. And that's precisely what my husband and I are experiencing right now being um, seven to 10 hours away from the US. And I came to realize that time difference makes more impact on <laughs> your life than the distance to your clients. Um, and that's another reason why we want to, you know, move to Europe or Latin America so that we're at least a little bit closer to us right now we had to shift our lives so basically early mornings we may have some calls because you know california is still awake and then after that we have um late morning all noon and early afternoon we have it pretty relaxed in terms of like everyone is sleeping so we can actually get in the zone and crunch a lot of work without any incoming traffic and then after 4 p.m calls and meetings start again. It's challenging, but if you're willing to adjust your life and rethink your schedule, it definitely works out. Like for example, um, we have a PT come over at like 11.30 a.m. in the morning. Like I would never be able to do that if I lived in the U.S. and worked at a company because I would be working um, in an office. Um, But I realized, you know what? Working out at 11.30 a.m., it's actually pretty good. Nice. So I actually wanted to ask you, um, because you live far from home right now, and you lived in all these different places, what do you think the hardest part of living in a new country? I, I think I've been finding that out more as I've gotten older. Because when I was younger, I would move to countries like Mexico or Spain, and I'd have a bar job, and I'd hang out at the beach, and you make friends really easy. And as I've gotten older and started moving to new countries, it is a bit more difficult to make friends. And I think people, as we get older, we're a little bit more set in our personalities as well. And a little bit, it just seems easier to get on with people when you're younger um, Mm -hmm. than when you're older. And I've definitely found in this latest move to Indonesia, this has been the most challenging of my life um, because I've moved to an island that I kind of thought was going to be like living in Ubud, 
but mm-hmm. really there's just a handful of expats and it's been really difficult to make local friends because it's kind of a tiny island mm-hmm. and I felt really alone and in the past I've been here almost one year and I made one good friend and she's had three people in her family in different countries die from COVID-19. So she and her husband are on complete lockdown with no visitors. So literally since March, I have been completely alone and isolated in my apartment. I've had this situation in Hong Kong. I didn't really make great friends. And I find that, that my mental health, which then affects the physical health, really starts to it starts to eat eat away at me and the isolation lately especially since i have this friend who i think is a good friend on the island but i can't see and we don't really talk much and it's just yeah i feel really really alone and i think I, i'm i'm quite an outgoing person generally speaking so i don't have any problems making acquaintances but it's the making friends that that I find a challenge more and more as the years go on and I've just I've I've really the past few years I have had moments where I've struggled because I just it's just the isolation and with me not having been in a relationship since like 1995 you know, I had one guy in India for a few years, but we were on the down low because he couldn't tell his parents. And, you know, it was just a, you know who it is. So I think the feeling alone lately over the years has, has been catching up with me. And just that, that feeling that I need to be more mindful of my mental health and doing things to keep me out of internalizing so much. That's a really good point. I totally get that it may get lonely at times. I had a big social circle when I lived in New York. And that's actually was one of the reasons why I wanted to leave because I felt like I wasn't mindful. I wasn't, I was always trying to get to places and meet people. And my social calendar was always packed, which was great. I'm so grateful to have um, amazing friends and connections in New York, but it got really exhausting. So I said, oh, you know what? I'm going to move down to Miami. I know a handful of people. I really want to be on my own, work on my mindfulness. And that was great. It was good social detox. It was, I actually cherished being on my own. Did you live in New York the longest of any of the places? Yeah. 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 That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I lived there for four years. And So going back to Miami, I wanted to have this um, social detox and wanted to move to a city that I could be on my own, like just me, myself and I, my husband and my puppy sitting on the beach meditating. That's the life I aspired to have. And, And it was amazing in the beginning. And then the lockdown began. And of course, it was mandatory isolation. And, and I had that sense of loneliness. I feel so grateful that I a loving husband with me, but that was that was pretty much pretty much it. I was away from my friends, away from my family, and um I'm an entrepreneur. Um it's a one man show. So an entrepreneurship 
is a very lonely road as well. Like a lot of people, they continue to work remotely, but they still maintain a big team. So throughout there's their collaboration day, probably, and there's collaboration. And- I, I, exactly. There's collaboration. And, um, and I love teamwork. I perform best when I'm in a big team, um, collaborating, partnering with other people. So, and then fast forward, I moved to Turkey right before um, the borders were closed. And we've been living here for seven months. And I have zero friends in Turkey, other than a um, handful of friends who would come visit me for a day or two every now and then. So most of the times it's just my little family. So I, I, I totally hear you. It may get lonely at the time. All but, right, um, so in, in one minute, two minutes give me no don't give me give everyone listening your best advice for someone who's looking to live abroad who hasn't done it yet they're looking to do it what's some words of wisdom you can impart to them do you want me do you want me to go do you want me to go first um let me me collect my thoughts (laughs) okay i'm going first Uh, You think of yours. So the best advice that I can give is honestly to start thinking beyond your current job and start thinking of how you can be of value to a company in a foreign land. So for me, I've always worked in digital marketing, communications, and branding. And you wouldn't think that someone would want to spend a lot of money to pull someone like me over to live in a foreign country. It's very expensive. But I highly specialized with technology startups, and I spoke a foreign language. And so for me, I was able to get jobs and move to countries because they wanted someone who had diverse market experience, who had language experience, who was a native English speaker, et cetera, et cetera. So I think that when you're trying to think about living abroad and you want something stable like a proper job in a country, not just to be a digital nomad, which is a little bit riskier for people, I think. You really just have to think about how can I add value and start manipulating your CV and certain things that you do to to show domain experience, to show market experience or expertise and try and, and learn a second language before you start because that will take you so far. Definitely speaking the language I, um, helps. Sum up the biggest piece of advice that you can share to someone. The most important thing is that you have an open mind, an open heart, and open arms to whatever comes your way. And get rid of all the attachment to the past. A lot of people are afraid to move abroad because they think that that's their forever decision, which is not. If it doesn't work out, you can go back and move on with your life as it was before. Just be willing to have an adventure, be willing to do things in a different way. And don't forget your old life will always be there waiting for you. Um, this is not a permanent decision. Yeah, that's, I think that's great about the the having an open mind, because one of the things that that I still struggle, I get a little judgy sometimes with certain things, and I have to remind myself that I'm not right. It's just different. And if there's so much when you go into a new culture, like you were saying, Spaniards have dinner at ten. Even when my daughter was a little girl. She didn't go to bed and she would have her dinner a little bit earlier, but 
it was really late. Like kids don't go to sleep until 10 p.m. in Spain, where mm -hmm. in the UK they go to sleep at 6, 7 p.m. And it's just, there's, there's so much that's different, especially when you move someplace to like India, like we did, where everything is night and day different. And it's not right or wrong. It's just different. It's, it's just different. Um, my husband is American and he's been living in Turkey for seven months for the first time in his life. He's been to Turkey a couple of times prior to that, but like for a week or two. So he had an idea um, an understanding of the culture, but definitely not a lot because he, he was just a tourist in this country. Um, but now, he literally moved here, been living here for seven months. Grocery and shopping. And every, exactly. Every single thing is so different. He feels like he lives on a different planet. In a magical and, land. It's exotic. And, and, and it's exotic. And I have so much respect and appreciation for his willingness to understand. And if he can't understand, he'll accept. He won't try to change people. He won't show any dissatisfaction. It's just the journey that he's living in. And yeah, just, just be willing to try new things. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, awesome. so last and final question. If you could live anywhere in the world right now for a year, what country or what city would you like to move to? That's a good question. There are so many. I have so many places on my list. Yeah, there but, really are uh, so many. Yeah, yeah. But most of my list these days is all about Asia. Um, I'm going to say um, Japan. Um, and then definitely I want to spend some time in Korea as well and some other Asian countries. But um, I've, I've always had a fascination for Japanese culture. Um, not only their food, but the way they, you know, interact with each other, their customs and weird little habits and, you know, the way of living. It's, it's just fascinating to me that it, it, to me, it feels like a completely different planet. So I would love to experience that and then maybe like live in Japan for a couple of months and then move to Korea for a couple of months and then maybe China for a couple of months. But I definitely want to spend a year or two on that part of the world. Okay. Well, when you do, you have to come and visit me, whichever country I'm in. Of course. I'm All right. Well, hold on to your hats because mine is Japan too. It's, nice. Yeah. Why and I, I had written mine down beforehand. So when my daughter and I needed to leave Spain when the economy crashed in 2008, Japan was one of the seven countries we wrote down as places that we would want to move to. And I had tried to get a job there. Uh, I tried for years. And they just, if you're not Japanese or you don't speak fluent Japanese, it's basically impossible to get a job in Japan. But mm. now that I'm a, now that I'm, I'm not a digital nomad, I'm location independent. So now that I'm location independent, I would love to spend a year there. My God, my YouTube channel would just be, oh, could you imagine the heaven? Every week with some amazing adventure in Japan from the culture to the food to the the backdrops and the mountains and the seas and the islands just looks beautiful to me. Okay. Beautiful. Maybe, maybe we'll live in Japan together. Oh my gosh. That would be should so we much say, fun. Well, next year, should we say when the pandemic ends, maybe like in two years? We should meet we say there. 20, 2023 in Japan, you yes. and I? Yeah, that sounds good. And then we'll hop down to South Korea 
and we are going to karaoke <laughs> and have <laughs> some fun as well. Well, it has been so nice talking to you and so nice hearing your experience. It's interesting. We've lived in some of the same places, but had such different experiences too, which I think is what happens with anyone. Everyone has their own experience when they live abroad, but it's so enriching. You end up traveling so much more, even just on weekend breaks. And I can't imagine life any different than the life that I live now. That's amazing. And I don't think there are a lot of people who can say that with confidence. Oh, you can. Yeah, yeah, I can. But I'm not sure there are a lot of people who can say that. Um, A lot of people get comfortable um, where they live and they may have even forgotten what it feels like to experience new things. Like, there's this question that I love. When was the last time you experienced something for the first time? And um, if I were to, yeah, when was the last time you experienced something for the first time? And um, if I ask this question to 100 people on the street, probably one of them would actually have a good answer to that. And in my case, you can ask me that question every week, sometimes every day, and I will have a solid answer for you because that's how often I experience new things for the first time in my life. And um, for average person on the street, they just get comfortable and um, they don't even have this as a need in their life. So that's why I said there are there aren't m- many people out there who could say what you just said earlier about how satisfied you are with your life. So if you're listening to this podcast, all I the way to the end, <laughs> all the way, all the way till the end, I will leave you with this saying, when was the last time you experienced something for the first time? So think about that, marinate on it. Can you please tell everyone how to find you and what you're up to? What should they be looking for? What are you up to? Tell us. Yeah, I'm Valentine. I'm the maker of Matador Meggings, um, Meggings as in men's leggings. It's a new athleisure brand. I would love for your listeners to check out my website. It's Matador Meggings. Dot com, and um, it's basically leggings re-engineered for the male anatomy. It is and, the hottest um, damn Instagram channel too. <laughs> yeah, on Instagram, it's Matador, like the bullfighter, Matador Meggings, at Matador Meggings on Instagram. Do you want to give them your puppy's Instagram as well? <laughs> oh <my laughs> God. Valentine puts daily photos of his puppy Gigi on Instagram, and she's now living the high life in turkey it's very cute oh there she is hi (laughs) yeah it's um she's Gigi amoroso on on instagram okay go find it and follow my puppy puppy has traveled more than um many people that i know (laughs) she's living the jet setter lifestyle oh i have family members that don't have passports oh my god yeah (laughs) All yeah, right, my darling, I you go. I will talk to you soon. Come back and listen to the next episode of Angela's Amazing Podcast. You are so sweet. Thank you so much, <laughs> Valentine. I know how busy you are. We rescheduled this damn thing like seven times. So it's so nice to have you. So nice to see you. So nice to talk to you. Thank you so much. It's It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. I love you. I love you too. Thanks. Bye. Bye.